We're picking up in Acts chapter 4, the 31st verse, and it says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. This is the same group of early believers that were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and spoke in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance or he gave them the ability. And now here we are into a season in the early church where they were under duress and tremendous persecution, and yet they waxed bold because they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So the key to us being bold and speaking the word of God is maintaining a spirit-filled life. And we can see that when they gathered together and prayed, the spirit of God refilled those that were initially filled. So prayer has a part to play in us staying filled with the spirit. Praying, beseeching God, looking unto the Lord, and he'll fill these earthen vessels once again so that we can go out and we can represent him with confidence and with boldness. In Acts chapter 6, we'll begin in the first verse. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Well, then the twelve summoned the multitudes and the of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And Philip, and we can see Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed... They laid their hands on them. Then the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Here's another scenario where the church is facing a problem and division is beginning to enter into the congregation. Some people felt like they were being slighted and others were being preferred. And so they got together and they called the church leaders, and they said, you know, what are we going to do to settle this dispute? And they said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to look out among us, and we're going to find seven men, first of all, that are, what? Of good reputation. And then the second criteria was full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, and the third was full of wisdom. And those are the kind of people that you want making decisions. Can I get a hearty amen? And so they, they located those men. They identified them. And notice how they talked about them. They were full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Well, how can you tell when someone is full of something? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. People that are full of the Holy Spirit think and speak about those things that are pleasing to the Holy Spirit. Live in a way that's honoring to the Holy Spirit. How do you know when someone's full of faith? Once again, faith is not just a word that we use to describe a set of beliefs. 
but it is used to describe a lifestyle that someone embraces that demonstrates their confidence and assurance in God and God alone. They have faith in God. It's seen in the way that they live. You can hear it in the way that they talk, in the way that they carry themselves, that they're full of confidence and assurance in God, and they're full of the Holy Spirit. We can say that they were full of the evidence of knowing Jesus. They were people of faith. They were people of the Spirit. People of faith, people of the Spirit. People of faith, people of the Spirit. And they gave themselves over to service. People that are filled with the Holy Spirit don't have any trouble serving anybody. This was a simple request. Can you help people in daily distribution of food? In today's society, sometimes we ask people, can you help serve food? And there's some among the congregants that are willing. And yet it's something that each and every one of us could do. But notice in the early church, in order to even be someone who's distributing food, they wanted people to do it in such a way that it was contagious to those that were they were serving. Because who were they serving? People that had hang-ups and issues. They were serving people that were divided, people that felt like they were marginalized, people that felt like they were insignificant, that some people were preferred over them. Who do you want representing Jesus to those that are struggling with strife and division? You want people full of faith and full of the Spirit. You don't want people on the other side of the aisle that are feeling sorry and and pandering to their carnality. You want people that are going to pull them up and say, look, we're here to bless you. Can I get a hearty amen? But these people lived in a way that it was recognizable that they were full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. One of my professors in college asked this question of us when we were preparing for ministry. If you were convicted of being a Christian, is there enough evidence to put you in jail? If you were convicted of being a Christian, is there enough evidence that someone could sentence you to jail? That's a good question. I remember thinking about that. And pondering, is it just going to church that identifies us as Christians? As Joyce Meyer says, is it wearing a lapel pin or just having a bumper sticker? Are those criteria for Christianity? Or is Christianity a life that has been turned inside out by a living, loving Savior? And we bear the marks of Jesus and we come out and we live separate from the world. We don't try to mingle ourselves with the world. We don't try to find pleasure in the world. As a matter of fact, John wrote, who is the most beloved of Jesus' disciples, and he said that we as Christians should not love the world or the things of the world. Why? Because that's the way we used to live. That's not the way we live now. People that are full of faith are seeing the possibilities of problems being solved, of, of seeing those that are in division being united, of seeing brokenness being made well. People that are full of the Spirit have, what? An optimistic eye on humanity. I remember Brother Hagin saying one time that people were bad-mouthing his generation and saying that his generation was going to hell in a handbasket. And he spoke up one time when people were 
using that narrative and he says, well, I'm not going to hell in a handbasket. And if I'm not going, that means that I can help others not to go. He was not only full of faith, he was full of the spirit. He believed that what he had was better than what the world had and what he had, the world needed. That the world was lost and blind and their celebrations are carnal and some of them are filled with environments where demons are actually conjured and welcomed to come. And we have to be careful in the world that we live in. Right now, you're aware that Disney is becoming toxic. Disney is, is mixing demon worship with children's stories. That's how sly and cunning the enemy is. And parents, if you don't develop discernment and you just get Disney Plus and put your children in front of it, you're opening them up to demon activity. And to think that you're not means that you're also blinded and more caught up in the entertainment aspect than the discerning aspect. You do not and I do not want our children to be subjected to demon doctrine. But in the end times, Scripture says, even Christians, those that at one time were on fire, were full of faith and full of the Spirit, could be deceived and gather to themselves teachers that itch their ears. That don't hold their feet to the fire, that don't hold them accountable but just allow them and pander to their carnality and their flesh. And that is a remedy for someone losing their way with their faith. And we don't want to be among those. those. We want to be sharp. We want to be compassionate. We want to be caring. But we also want to be truthful and honest. Because people sense sincerity. People know when, you know, you're after them to judge them or degrade them. People also know when you sincerely care about them and are looking out for their best interest. And we need to carry that kind of spirit. That's people that are full of the spirit. So we can see that after they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God spread and the number of the disciples greatly increased in Jerusalem. I believe that the number of disciples can greatly grow in Knoxville. But it's not going to happen without people desiring and hungering, thirsting for the things of God and making room and and creating opportunities in their own devotions to know Jesus better so they can make him known. Acts chapter 8, if you would please. Acts chapter 8. Just going up, just over some of the things that happen when people open up themselves to the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There is an initial filling and then there's many refillings. The initial filling, you're filled and you speak in an unknown tongue and we just can't get hung up on that. That's just not a big deal. As a matter of fact, most of you in the morning speak in an unknown tongue till you have your first <laughs> cup of coffee. So this is not this is not beyond the possibility of God coming. He, he made your, your Christians are more than forgiven. They're brand new creatures in Christ. They are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your spirit was reborn, recreated, and the Holy Spirit now dwells in you. You are the temple of God. And so he gave us a new covenant. He gave us a new and a better way. It's no big deal for him to give us a, a, a new tongue. 
That is not, that is not an issue. And don't let your intellect try to figure it out. That is the evidence of being full. And that's God's way. And you can see it all through the book of Acts. But there's other things that happen when people are full of the Holy Spirit. They're a more effective witness. They're more confident. They're more bold. They're more willing to serve. Are you following along here? Some people just get caught up in the initial infilling and they just think that, wow, if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you know, you just, you, you'll speak in an unknown tongue and Hold on. It goes forward from there. The story continues to go forward in the book of Acts. They became missionaries. They took care of widows and orphans. Why? Because they were full of the Holy Spirit. They weren't full of themselves anymore. We could say they were not selfish anymore. They were servants. They were servants of the living God. People that are full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit are servants of God. They love to serve. They look for opportunities to serve. It's a privilege to serve. In today's society, we always check and see if our event calendar will allow us to serve. No, hold on, I've got this and this and this. We place events and activities above the fullness of God's spirit. If I have enough energy to serve. People in the, that are full of the spirit have life. That's why it's important that you Get filled consistently. If you're feeling low, just go back and say, God, fill me up again. Here I am. I I need a refuel. (laughs) High octane, please. So here I'm going to finish with this. Are you guys good? And we're just going to keep going through this next week. All right, here we are. We're in Acts chapter 8. Is that where I am? All right. Just want to make sure that I was telling the truth. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John unto them. All right. This is like Knoxville going to Pella. Is that fair enough? The Jews and the Samaritans are sort of like the Panthers and the Dutch. Oil and water. There's a river. There's a great divide between them. And when they had come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Second time we see laying on of hands. But we can see that the initial group of people that went down weren't bothered with crossing the boundaries as Jews to go to the Samaritans. Something happened in their life to where it wasn't a big deal to go to the people group that was a rival and pray for them and ask them, have you received the Holy Spirit? Have And, and to confer and to inquire where they were in their spiritual journey with Jesus. And they found out they had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. But then they said, but have you received the fullness of the Spirit. So when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you don't have enemies, you're looking to make allies. Because the love of God is working through you because God the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of love. And you put down your weapons and your rocks and your stones and you're willing to let bygones be bygones and you forgive and you love and you go serve those people that at one time you despised. The Holy Spirit fills us. 
There's the evidence of speaking in other tongues, but then there's many other ways in which the Holy Spirit is evident in our life. So we're going to finish up right here. In verse 17, they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, the apostles had given the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, give me this power also that anyone who I lay my hands on might receive the Holy Spirit. So there is the possibility that when hands were laid on the Samaritans and they received the Holy Spirit, that there was a sign or an initial evidence that they had received the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, Simon the sorcerer, the man that was given over to demon practice, wouldn't have coveted this gift. He saw the real power. He came into contact with the real power, and he knew what he had wasn't going to cut the mustard. But what he didn't understand was you couldn't purchase the Holy Spirit because this text said, you receive the Holy Spirit. So just as you receive Jesus by faith, you receive the Holy Spirit by faith. You serve God by faith. But there's a lot of evidence in our life of people that are full of the Spirit. I believe that you're not just here on Wednesday night by happenstance. Our desires determine our decisions. There is a holy desire within you, whether you understand how deep it is and how much it drives you. Let it be something that you're acquainted with. Desire those things that are pure and lovely and of good report. Desire those things that are holy and righteous. And ask God to fill you daily with his spirit. Because we live in a world where there is so many mixed messages. So much confusion. So many people that are hurting and they need people that are bold, full of faith, full of the spirit, compassionate, forgiving servants. So they can see the difference that a living savior makes. We just don't go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. We do. But when we leave, we're more prepared, we're more equipped and more we're more willing and able to represent Jesus in the light he needs to be represented. The reason that we come, and I'm going to finish with this, I'll probably share a little bit along these lines on Sunday also, is the early church when they gathered together, I want you to hear this, the early church when they gathered together did not come to get something. The early church when they gathered together came to give something. When you read the letters to the church, Paul asks, When you gather together, did you come together? Everyone should have a song. Everyone should have a testimony. Everyone should have something to give. Have you understood that because people have not studied the scriptures carefully enough, that most people in Christendom today are in it for what they can get out of it, including the service of the church? That's why people leave church. Well, if they don't do what I want them to do the way I want them to do it, then I'm going to leave. If they don't serve my kids, I'm going to leave that church. They don't. And all the while you ask that person, are you serving anywhere? Are you helping anywhere? Are you lifting the load? Or are you just a fault finder and a critical attitude? People that are full of faith 
believe in the possibilities. People that are full of the Spirit are full of love and boldness and confidence. And they're not confused. Can, can I give you one more little caveat? All right. So this is something that we need to be aware of. Gender identity is a big issue in the culture today. And uh, as a subject matter that we shouldn't shy away from or be embarrassed about or be fearful about. And yet many people are very skeptical about how, what do I say? When do I say there or anything like that? You know, it started off with just the LBGQ and then there was the T. And then, you know, right now before Congress, they're adopting legislation. And you know how many genders right now are being presented to our legislators to adopt into law? Right now, over 150. Now, if I back you up into a pasture and I put you behind some animals, you'll identify two genders. Is that correct? This is how far error has invaded for two reasons. Biblical illiteracy, historical illiteracy. How many times in the Bible did God said, and he made them male and female? Four times. Anything that's repeated twice has a witness. Three times, stronger witness. Four times, really strong witness. So these are things that, right, our generation has now been, this has been something that we have to address gracefully, Compassionately, truthfully, confidently. And we should welcome conversations. We could try to understand why a person believes the way that they do. And we can maybe potentially, through the grace of God, help them to see God's ways and God's plans and God's purposes. We're not called to criticize them, belittle them, make them feel devalued. People that are deceived don't know any better. That's the problem with deception. Some are hurt and wounded. Some are fearful and lost. Some have been taken advantage of. Some are actually, you know, running and and hurt. So let's just be aware of some of these things as we, you know, live our lives, as we represent the king of glory well. Let's not let fear determine the way that we live. For the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Amen. I'll tell you one other story. Scott, you can go get the kids. We'll record this. This is all, it'll all be good. Several years ago, I never told this story publicly. Several years ago, there was a young man and he would come in on Wednesday nights. And uh, as a young man, he was, uh, he was molested many, many times by a family member. As a result of that, he became very confused about his sexuality. And out of that, uh, he was introduced into same-sex relationships. Um, But I met him in town, invited him to church, and he started coming. He would come late, leave early. 
but he was here. Many of you don't even know that he was here and gone, but he was. That was his pattern for about six or eight weeks. One day his mother showed up at church and uh, asked if she could speak with me. I welcomed her into my office. I didn't know who she was. And this is how the conversation went down after we exchanged greetings. Uh, she said, I don't know. And she said, my son has been coming to your services. And, uh, and he'll no longer be coming. And I said, is there something that you'd like to say to me? She said, yeah. I work too hard to make him the way he is. And him being exposed to the light scares me. I didn't know what to say. Sort of the breath leaves you at that moment, right? Boy, there's the happiest little boy in the world right there. Ollie, ollie, ollie. I love it. Come on in, guys. I I say that to say that not every conversation is going to end up the way that you want it to. Not everybody agrees. Not everybody sees things eye to eye. But, you know, we still should do everything that we can to serve everyone in the best way that we can and represent Jesus in the highest light that we can. We have family members that are struggling and already in these lifestyles, married. We love them. We call them. We pray for them. I send them messages. They thank me because the only remedy for error is truth. The only way people come out of darkness is light. We spend time with them. We include them in all of our family trips, all of those things. So you have to understand that, you know, this isn't, this isn't me just, you know, damning people. This is me understanding that Sin is sin, no matter what category you want to put it in. And my sin was sending me to an eternal damnation. But someone told me about a Savior who would forgive my sins. All we have to do is be the light. It takes the Holy Spirit to do that. Stay full of the Spirit. Otherwise, we're pretty nasty in the flesh. Everybody said amen. (laughs) Amen. We love you. We love you. The Lord loves you. Pour out your heart to him. Open up your heart and allow him to fill you afresh and anew every single day. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.